Podcast. I'm your host Jeffrey Martin. Thank you for joining us again. Um, I think this is like the 45th, getting close to 50 um, podcasts. I'm sure most of you haven't listened to all 50 of them, but I've done almost 50 of them. I think it's 47 or something like that, 47, 48. But um, just glad I'm still doing them. I enjoy them. I really do. I hope people get things out of them. I get something out of them um, when I go back and kind of listen to it and and see what I could have done better. Or um, what I could have um, expanded on a little bit. So, but I'm, it's a learning process. You know, everybody's got a podcast. You just have to make it your unique podcast, and that's what I'm trying to do. Um, you know, you don't stop doing it because everybody else is doing it. You know, everybody plays basketball too, but basketball players don't stop playing basketball because other people play it. So you just have to play it in your own way. You know, and that's what I'm trying to do. Um, this podcast I was going to call "Blessing and Curse," blessing and curse. But I have to start, I'm started off with a friend of mine about seven or eight years ago. He made this, um, this comment and it was so profound to me that I asked him if I could put, I was working on a book at that time and I asked him, could I use that quote, his quote in my book? His name is Jarvis Henderson. We grew up together in Carson and, um, He's always saying profound things. He really is. I, I think I always tell Jarvis, well, not always, but I've told Jarvis on quite a few different occasions, man, you should write that stuff down and, and, and create your own book. Because he's always saying really profound, deep, insightful things. But what he said, I'm going to read it now. He says, I have to develop the ability to be successful for me. Let me say that again. Let me read it one more time. I have to develop the ability to be successful for me. And um, he said about yeah, seven or eight years ago, and I put it in one of my books. It's in, yeah, I'm actually reading it from the book right now. Um, it's in my book called um, From Somewhere to Somewhere Else. And that's a whole nother podcast. But yeah, I just used, but I wanted to start off the show or start off the podcast with that, that quote. Because I know for me, it, um, it took me, some of us, I don't, I don't want to say we learn slower. Because that's not it. Life just has to take us through a few more things than others. It's just the way it is. Um, not that you're any worse or any better, but just life just takes you through some different things. And I know as when I was coming up or when I was going through my early 20s, young family, all of that stuff, dealing with that, and everybody knows how that is, you know, dealing with a family, you have to be a family man or a family woman, whatever the case may be. But it always seemed like, for me, that life was fighting with me more than it was working with me. And I always felt that. And I felt cursed in a lot of ways. It just seemed like, although I, I grew up with a brother and a sister. I have four other, bro I mean, four other sisters that I really don't know. I met them as an adult. And then I have another brother and sister who I've never met that I just recently, in the last six months or so found out that we're even in existence. I don't even think they know I exist. So I have brothers and sisters out there. <laughs> but the two that I grew up with, um, our lives were so different. They were so different. We came up in the same house. 
had the same mom, different dad, but, you know, the same guy raised us. I don't know if you call it raising us, but, he, you know, well, anyway, he raised us. And um, that was a whole issue right there. But anyway, our lives were so different. And, you know, I got married really young, moved to New York. And as hard as I would try, it seems like everything in the world would get in my way. I was trying to do the right thing. I wasn't running around the streets. I wasn't doing any of that stuff. I was just working. Well, yeah, I was working. Um, tried to go to school for a little bit, but just had to work. I always had two and three jobs. It's just the way it worked out. But it just seemed like no matter what I did, um, life was always throwing me curves and just difficult. And for a long time, I felt like I was cursed because I grew up in church. And, um, and I, I never really liked church. To be quite honest with you, I never really liked church. But my point in saying that I grew up in church is you listen to certain messages that you get in church, at least I did in the Baptist church, and it's it tells you, you know, if you're meek and humble, things good will happen to you. If you do your best, you know, try to stay God-fearing, all of that stuff, you know, what we hear coming up in the Christian church. And so one thing, even though I didn't like church, never really enjoyed it, I always listened. I always listened. Now, there were times, and then my uncle, I had an uncle that was a preacher uh, in that particular church. And after a while, he kind of figured me out. But I would, after Sunday school, I would leave, I, first of all, I would leave the door on one of the side doors on, the, on, our, on our car unlocked. I wouldn't lock it. And... I would sneak out after Sunday school, pretend like I had to go to the bathroom or whatever, and I'd sneak and get in the car, and I'd lay on the floor so nobody could see me, and I would stay there if I could um, for the whole duration of church. That's how much I didn't like it. And this is as a little kid. But after a while, my uncle's name was Uncle Tuck. Uncle Tuck would come out, and they called me Scooter when I was growing up. Scoot, what are you doing? And, um, and then he'd run me back. And he never really told my, he never told my parents, I don't think. I was scared he was going to, but I still would try to do it. But anyway, I would try to try to sneak out as much as I could. But when I was in church, when I was sitting there, one thing I did do, I didn't really daydream. Not when, you know, the choir would sing and I would listen to that. And they have their little, you know, the meetings and updates and whatever. But when it came to the scripture, when it came to the guy, the preacher preaching, the pastor preaching, I would listen. I'm not sure why. I guess because I always like words. I always like words. And if people could put words together really well, they would have my attention. Whether I believe what they were saying or not, I would. I, they would have my attention. And, um, and so I would listen. I would listen. And what I was getting was, if I was a good person, good things would happen to me. And if you're a good person, good things happen to you. That's the message I was getting. I don't know if that's the message that the, ma the pastor was putting out there, but for the most part, that's what I was getting. If you were bad, bad things happen, and you went to bad places. If you were good, good things happen, and you went to good places. Now, that's what my mind, my little young mind, that's where I was um, looking at it. And I guess that impacted me as I started to grow up. As I got in my late teens and early 20s, I still had that mindset so when I got married at 20 
um, had a son on the way at 20, uh, moved to New York, a uh, bunch of things, got sick, uh, got into it with the in-laws and got kicked out and was homeless and dealing with that and just all of these things. And I, it really, it really bothered me because I was trying. I wasn't perfect, but nobody is. But I was trying to do what I had heard you should do to get good things to come to you. And it just didn't make sense to me because it's, no matter what I did, life was always throwing me these curves. So I felt like I was cursed. I was like, man, what did I do? Or what did, and at that time, I thought my stepfather was my father. So I was like, well, you know, they say that sometimes the, the sins of the father will, will fall upon the son. So I'm thinking this guy is my father. I'm like, well, what did he do? That all this stuff is falling on me and only me. It's not happening to my bro younger brother, but it's happening to me. Why is everything so difficult for me? No matter how good I try to be, I was always being challenged. So for a long time, and I mean a long time, I felt that I was cursed. Both consciously and subconsciously. Even my actions, even when I didn't think that I was feeling that way, my actions would show that I really didn't expect much from myself. And I thought, and it was confusing to me. It was confusing. And I would have these conversations with God. Um, <laughs> I guess you could say that. Yeah, I would have these conversations. Like, what did I, did somebody do something wrong in my lineage? And you, you've, you're paying me back for something. Because I haven't been here long enough at that time. I haven't been here long enough to, to do a bunch of stuff. And I had, you know, I wasn't a bad kid. I wasn't in trouble. I fought a lot. But I fought a lot to defend myself. So, hey, if that's bad, that's bad. But other than that, I really didn't, I didn't get into trouble. I, you know, I was too afraid of my stepfather to do anything wrong anyway. But um, I didn't get into trouble, wasn't in trouble with the law, any of that stuff. I, I respected my parents more out of fear than anything, but I still respected them. So I didn't understand all these hard times. So for a long time, I really felt cursed. And um, it took me a while. And I was like angry at God or my version of God. I really was. I was very angry. I didn't want, you know, after a while, I was like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. You know, something happened, you know, and all of these things. And all the while I was writing. I started keeping a journal right before my daughter. I have two children. Right before my daughter was born in 85, I started keeping a journal. Because right before my daughter was born, I found out that the guy who had, raised me, who I thought was my father, whose whole side of his family I thought was related to me, I found this cat was not related to me. Then things started making sense. Then I really felt like, wow, everybody in the family knows, but the person that should know, that this guy isn't my father. And I didn't know. So I found out around that time. So I started keeping a journal. And this journal, I didn't know at the time. I was reading, and I probably have said this on another podcast, I was reading George Jackson probably for the second or third time. I just think, if you haven't read Soul of That Brother, please do. It's just a powerful, powerful book. It really is. Um, transformation, strength, um, fearlessness. George Jackson was all of that. But he kept it, he wrote in this book. This, it, to me, it felt like journal, journal writing, because he had the date on him. And so I was reading this at the same time that I found out that Chris Turner was not my father. And so I was even more bitter. And because of my, my, my um, 
relationship with Chris and what our past had been and it had been so physical and brutal, the first thing I wanted to do was, and he was living in Oklahoma by that time, him and my mom had moved to Oklahoma because General Motors in California had shut down, so you either were going to move to another state or you're going to lose your job, so they moved to Oklahoma. So he was in Oklahoma at that time, and the, only, the first thing I wanted to do because that was how I dealt with stuff is, you know, if I couldn't deal with it on one level, I would go physical. I would, you know, I would deal with it on that level. And that was just the way I, so my first initial response was, this guy's been beating me all my life. Now I'm a grown man. Maybe I go to Oklahoma and put some of him, put some of that on him now. That was my first thought. That was really my first thought. But then I was reading Soul of That Brother. And I said, well, if I do that, though, what if I really get hurt or what if I kill this guy? Then that defeats the purpose. Then I'm right back on square one. So I'm reading Soul of That Brother. And I said, you know what? George Jackson is like my, my, one of my heroes. Him, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Sojourner Truth, Harriet Tubman. I go on and on and on. I, got, I have a lot of people that have really impacted me. Most of them are dead. And most of them lived before I was around or, or you know, I was a baby when they died or whatever. But they, they've really impacted me. And George Jackson was one of these people that Im impacted me. I said, well, he's keeping a journal. And he's dealing with this prison system and guards coming at him and... and um, Inmates being given favors if they can hurt him, you know, so he's a tough dude. I mean tough dude, you know, he's 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 fighting off um shank attacks all the time Just a strong strong willed brother. I mean you have to read that if you haven't read it, please read it So did that bro and blood in my eye too Blood in my eye is a good one too. That's right before they killed him. He wrote that one But so did that brother is what I was reading at the time when I felt so cursed So I said I'm gonna start doing what George did. I'm gonna start writing stuff down and so I started to do it. I started writing things down. And um, the first journal, I lost it now because of being hot-headed and I walked off a job and forgot I had my journal there, came back and couldn't find my journal. So the first one is forever lost. And that's a co-worker has it somewhere and they've had it for like 30 years, whatever. <laughs> but um, that one's probably forever lost. But I've been keeping a journal since 1984. In fact, I know the date. 11 9 84 is when I started the journal. I still I don't know why that date has been ironed into my mind, but I remember the exact date that I um, started that journal. So I started keeping a journal, and um, and at that time I still felt cursed, but I didn't realize back then at that time that I was really that journal was part of my healing. You know that journal was going to be a significant part of my healing. I had no idea. I just wanted to do something other than being physical with my stepfather or physical with anybody that got made me angry. Instead of doing that, I just wanted to write stuff down. So my first journal was angry and, you know, didn't care about this, hate that, a lot of hate and all that stuff. And I remember when my daughter was growing up, when I'd say something about hate, she'd always like, Dad, that's a very strong, you shouldn't use that word, that's a very strong word. And she's a youngster and she's telling me that. And I, I, I guess I used to use that word a lot. So I kind of understand, even coming from a baby, I didn't understand at that time, but now I understand that, yeah, it is a very strong word to say you hate something. Um, there's probably a couple of things I still hate, but I, don't try, I try not to hate too many things. I really do. But so I, I, started, I, keep, I started keeping this journal, and like I said, I felt cursed. I felt like I could not, I could not um, 
find that peace in my life. It was just always a struggle. Um, I got really sick uh, between 20 and 21, uh, really sick with a heart problem and all of this stuff. Lost a lot of weight, was in a situation uh, where I refused to eat where I was. I was with my in-laws and it was weird stuff going on and I just stopped eating. I just wouldn't and I lost all this weight. So I was going through a lot of stuff and I was feeling like, wow, why is this stuff happening to me? I'm too young for all this stuff to be happening to me. You know, I got a heart problem. I got this going on. I got this going on. Why is all this stuff happening to me? I must be cursed. But like I said, at the same time, I started writing this journal. And it took some years. It wasn't like I started writing this journal and the next year I was like, okay. No, <laughs> no, it's not that easy. It'd be great. All of us would be in great shape if it only took that little time to... Um, but, you know, when you've been traumatized or, or you've been through a lot or you've seen a lot or a lot has been done to you, you don't just overnight jump up and say, oh, everything's good. That's not the way it works. It'd be nice if it worked that way. In the movies, maybe, you know, because they got two hours to do it. So in two hours, the person is fixed. But in real life, you have to deal with that stuff. And so the journal was my initial way to deal with stuff. And I didn't know it. I really didn't know it. I just thought I was just... Being like my hero, George Jackson, getting it out, getting it out instead of going and hurting somebody. I just getting it out and just writing whatever was on my mind. But I noticed, you know, and after some years of writing journals, sometimes, well, I do. I go back and revisit the journals. And the first year, a couple years or the first journals, first few journals, um, I didn't really see that significant change. But after three, four, five, you know, I have like 14 or 15 journals now that are, you know, filled up. Notebooks that are filled up. Um, but after four, five, six of them, you start seeing, or at least I started seeing, a different person in that pen. I really did. Like, in the early years, I saw somebody that was really a deep thinker. And I'm not patting myself on the back. I don't mean it like that. I just meant I would, I would read it and say, man, where did I get those thoughts from? I'm like 20 years old, 21 years old, 22 years old, 23 years old. Where did I get those deep thoughts from? That's what I meant by saying deep thinkers. So I saw that happening early on. But then I started seeing that the, the language wasn't as, as angry. Certain things still made me angry. Racism is always going to bother me. Sexism is always going to bother me. Um, uh, uh, bourgeois attitudes always. And so certain things kind of push my buttons, even to this day. Even to this day. But I noticed that there were less and less things bothering me. Things were bothering me, but less and less things. And less and less of the things that I really couldn't do anything about anyway. You know? The things that I really couldn't do. And see, I could do things about um, my work environment or my home environment, um, my community environment. I could do things about that because I had some kind of say-so in where I lived, um, who, how I dealt with people on the job, you know, that kind of thing. How my home was going to be. I wanted my home to be peaceful. I wanted my kids to have a peaceful environment, not a lot of hollering and cussing and all that craziness. So I could have some say-so on that. But on the things I couldn't, like when I was in, in Rochester, uh, in New York, uh, apartheid was still going on. And a lot of my journal writing is about apartheid. You know, I'm writing about, 
this and that and we went to demonstrations always demonstrations going on I would go to demonstrations and write about it that kind of stuff and you know then I reflect back on them like well we got apartheid here <laughs> we have, you know the 60s was really apartheid here but even now or at that time even you know there were certain neighborhoods in Rochester you know you got the rich over here and you got the poor over here it's like the wild wild west in the poor neighborhoods and it's like heaven uh, with streets of gold and molasses and honey in a few few miles down the road. So we had, we had apartheid here. But so I would write about things, but the things that I couldn't do that much about, they didn't bother me as much. You know, the, the, the thing about being a person who is um, uh, uh, I don't know, in, involved Involved spiritually and, and mentally and, 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 you know, involved in things that they really believe in. It affects you. It really does. It affects you. And so I was letting things that I really didn't have any control over at all. Yeah, they were terrible things. And yeah, we want to do something about it. But I really couldn't change. Not as a human, not as one individual. I couldn't change it. Um, so as I'm looking over my, my journals, as the years go by... I'm not letting go of it. I'm not turning my back to what's wrong in society at all. Not at all. But I'm not allowing it to affect my daily um, journey. You know, they used to have, I, I, just, I, I posted something like this on Facebook. That the old folks in the church used to say, I'm not going to let the devil steal my joy. And I always liked that. I always liked that saying. I didn't like church at all, but I like some of the things um, that some of the elderly would say, and they tend to like they tended to like me for whatever because I listened. You know, I'm not saying any of the other kids were disrespectful or anything, but I used to get, "Oh, you're an old soul, you're an old soul," and I, I'd get that all the time. But I would really listen to what they said, and they always said profound things. And one of the things they would say was, "I'm not going to let the devil steal my joy." Now I know what they meant in their, you know, in their relationship with their spiritual life and all that but for me it meant I'm not gonna let well as I you know as I mature I'm not gonna let all this nonsense that's going on around me affect me to the point where I cannot enjoy this existence that's what it did for me so when I hear that when I thought about that that phrase I'm not gonna let the devil steal my joy the devil is whoever you want to call the devil you know the devil is a uh, uh, a overzealous boss, you know, or 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 um, a dominant spouse, or whatever. So whatever your devil is, but um, for me, it was like I'm not gonna let circumstances that I do not have power over affect my journey, because I don't think this journey is supposed to be sad and bad and 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 filled with um, and. I don't think it is, but it took me a while to get to that point because at first, like I said, I felt like I was cursed. And I think subconsciously, because my stepfather would say things like that, like you're not going to be anything. You know, I'm sure some of you have heard this. You're not going to be anything. You ain't shit. Um, you're going to end up in prison. I, I heard all that stuff. So subconsciously, I have that. Plus, I have all this stuff, this, this hardship and these difficulties going on in my life, especially so young. Um, I start. I, I took it on like, yeah, I guess I am cursed because he said it. Life seems to be producing it for me, and maybe I am cursed.
So I, I continue to write in these journals, and he began to change. I don't know I'm changing. I really don't. But when I reflect back on these journals, I'm like, that's, oh, that, I'm, I'm starting to change there. Wow, in 92, I'm, I'm saying this. In 82, I was saying that. In 85, I was saying this. In 97, I was saying this. So I began to see the transformation. And one of my favorite, and I don't really like insects, so I can't say a favorite insect, but one of the few insects I really like is the butterfly. And the butterfly, the reason I, you know, and, and we all have heard this analogy, but when the butterfly starts out, I, you know, it's nothing cute, nothing good, I mean, pretty about a caterpillar. It just, ooh, grossed me out. But it's amazing to see that caterpillar, and then a week down the road, or however long it takes for the transformation to happen, you have this beautiful butterfly. And butterflies don't have a long um, duration on this planet. I mean, their life is really short. But in that short span of time, they bring all this beauty to the planet. All of this beauty, they, in that short amount of time, they impact this planet. You know? So, um, and so I'm looking over these journals, and that's what I'm starting to see. I'm starting to see this, this caterpillar. It took a while, didn't take a week. Didn't take a month, didn't take a couple years, but I'm seeing this caterpillar is beginning, beginning on the process of becoming a butterfly. Doesn't mean that life gets all easy all of a sudden, doesn't mean that everything goes your way. I'm not saying that at all. You know, anybody that's listening to this, this past the age of 25, no, that's bullshit. You know, nothing goes your way all the time. That's just not the way it goes. And especially for me, <laughs> you know, so, um, but I'm seeing this caterpillar start to transform. And through my writing, not anyone telling me, I'm just, you know, as I'm reflecting back on the journals, and it's not a conscious, it's not a conscious change. I'm not saying, oh, I'm going to change a thought in this journal. It's not that at all. I just, whatever hits me on a day, like today I haven't written in mine yet, but I will. Um, whatever hits me in that moment or something on that, in, that, in this particular day has stayed with me or resonated with me, then I'm going to write about it. So I don't pick a, a, a theme and say, oh, I'm going to stick with this theme today. I don't do that. It's just spontaneous. It's um, in the moment. It's whatever hits me for that day. So these were not planned changes. These were not planned transformative um, moments. It's just what happened. And so I started looking at blessed and cursed a little different. It took me a while. It really took me a while. But I started looking at blessed and cursed in a totally different way. And I'll say this too. What's interesting is a lot of times we don't see ourselves as others see us. We think this way about ourselves. Somebody else, five people that know us think totally different of what they see. I've been told so many times that I've been I've inspired so many people. And I'm I'm thinking when they're telling me, and these are people from New York, mostly in New York, because that's when my kids were younger. Um, and I'm thinking, how did I inspire you? And I wasn't even inspired myself. So a lot of times we don't see <laughs> what other people see in us. You know, it's it's interesting. 
because I didn't think I could inspire anyone. I was trying my best to stay as positive as I could with my kids because I didn't want them to see all the garbage I was feeling. You know, the garbage I was take to bed at night, I didn't want them to see it. So it was never, I never showed that to my kids. But there were plenty of times when I was driving home and, um, you know, I would have suicidal thoughts, really. You know, I would have suicidal, especially if it was snowing. Well, not because of the snow, but if it was snowing, I would, I would make up excuses like, you know, I could drive off this, you know, I could drive it off into this ditch and everybody will think that I slipped and, I mean, the car slipped on the road and caught a piece of ice and I went down the, it, that ditch. That's what I, that's how I would be thinking, but I would never bring that home to my, my kids, you know. But I had those thoughts all the time because I really felt that my life wasn't, um, it wasn't, not only wasn't important, it wasn't fulfilling. I wasn't successful. That's how I felt. But then I hear from other people how I inspired them. I inspired their pops. I inspired their mom. I inspired them, even though they may have, um, I had a conversation not too long ago with somebody that did some time. And I was surprised what he said as far as me inspiring him. Because it felt, felt like he didn't listen to me, <laughs> you know. But you just never know how people are looking at you. But, yeah, so it went from feeling cursed and feeling like I wasn't successful, like life just wasn't, you know, what was I here for? You know, that's how I would feel. What was I here for? Was I here just to struggle, um, barely get by, have a couple of kids and just die? That's how I felt. You know, as much as I love kids, I felt like, Man, I mean, this can't be everything. And if it is, well, what did I do wrong? You know, what did I do wrong? I have all these ambitions and want to see this and want to see that. And um, But it, it took a while. But these journals, these journals, um, it, it just shows the transformation. I would recommend to anybody, regardless of what you're going through, whether you like writing or not, it doesn't matter. It's not about liking to write. It's about, um, it's about getting it out. The important thing is to get it out. And when you get it out, you know, it does something for your soul. It really does. It does something for you that, um, that you're just not aware of at the time. But you have to get it out. And that's what the journals did for me without me even realizing. Um... I didn't go to a therapist. I'm not saying I didn't need a therapist. Maybe I did. I probably still do. <laughs> probably still do. But um, I had this outlet. And, um, you know, I wasn't going to go into drugs. I wasn't going to do alcohol. So God or Allah or whatever you want to call it, or you don't wanna have to call it anything. I don't know what you call it. But whatever gave me this pen and paper and said, write it out. First, he or she or it gave me the example of George Jackson writing his thoughts out. And then I said, I'm going to do that same thing. Our thoughts, our journeys are different. Um, I'm coming from a different generation. I'm in a different circumstance, probably a different mindset on some things and maybe the same mindset on other things. But I'm going to use that same method to just write about things that are bothering me. And that's what I did. And it transformed through just doing it. Just through doing it, it started transforming. And uh, I didn't feel cursed. You know, I didn't feel cursed. 
after a while. And I started feeling blessed. And not in, a, not in the cheesy religious way. I'm not talking about that because I'm not really a religious guy. Uh, I'm, I'm really not. But by, by just living this life, I've become, or maybe I always was, a spiritual person. I've always known that all the power wasn't in my hand. Whatever, whatever hand it's in, it's not in mine. Um, but in my journey, I've met people and I just shouldn't have met them. Or things have happened uh, and it's just, it's odd that it happened, you know? So um, I'm writing, I'm working on a, a, a it's not an autobi autobiography, but basically it is. I mean, it's about loosely based on my life. And so when you're writing about yourself, it brings up a lot of stuff. And I didn't realize, I, re I hadn't even realized that at, at about five, four or five years old, I'm not sure, between four and five, I think I had just started school, I almost drowned. And um, I hadn't thought about that, but I was, I'm writing this, this, this novel and I'm dealing with real life stuff and I, I, I never thought about that. And then another time I was electrocuted. I'm thinking, where are my parents when all this stuff is, you know, um, it's just, I don't know, it's just interesting uh, how you start writing things or you, you write things down and they bring back what, um, you know, what life has been for you. So anyway, so I start reflecting on those things. I'm like, man, I, maybe I'm not cursed. <laughs> if I was cursed, maybe I'd be dead. You know, maybe I'd be dead. Um, another time uh, I was... I was working at a Favor shoe store. I don't know if anybody's heard of Favor. Favor, I don't know how long they lasted. But Favor shoe store. I was, assist, I was training to be assistant manager. And, and maybe I've talked about this on the podcast. Uh, the guy's name, just by coincidence, white guy from Kentucky, his name was Dave, Ch Dave Chappelle. That was his name. He was, I was 20 at the time. So he was like 23, but he was already fully bald. He looked like an old man. Kentucky, and we just didn't like each other. We just didn't like it. We really didn't. Just didn't like it. I mean, we never said that. I never said I don't like you, but it, it just our energy was at odds all the time. But he was the manager, and I was training to be a manager, so I had to deal with him. Well, he had to take a vacation day one day, and I um, so I was left in charge. So I was happy because I always felt like he didn't think I could do it. And I said, I'm going to prove to this guy from Kentucky that I could do it. And so the day that he leaves and I'm in charge, everything is running fine. And two guys from my neighborhood, I didn't know them personally, but I had seen them come in and rob the place. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh, my God, it's going to happen. And I wasn't even afraid. I was mad. I was like, of all the days that you guys could come and rob the door or rob the store, you guys come on the day that I'm left in charge. I was pissed. I, I mean, I was so mad. And so, as they're giving orders, you know, the guy, you know, they're hollering at me and blah blah blah. I'm not, you know, I'm not even phased about. It. I actually want to, you know, somebody else's money. I'm, I, I think about that now. That's stupid. I don't want to protect somebody else's money. Shit, I, I ain't been. I'm. I'm a regular employee. When I'm diving in front of a gun to give save somebody else's money. But at that time, I was so upset. I was thinking of a way to get. It was two of them, 
I was thinking of a way to get to the one guy, take his gun, and shoot the other guy. That's how crazy. I was. But both of them were too far away. It was like they could feel my energy because <laughs> they stayed away. Oh, man, I was so mad, but I wasn't afraid at all. So the guy um, is another guy. It's a, it's a white kid who's like 17. He's like the assistant in help out so he's all nervous and you know crying and peeing himself and all that stuff so he, one of the guys takes him and then one of the guys is with me and he's telling me to move back to the back of the store and I'm thinking this guy I'm, I'm sure he's gonna shoot me I'm like okay he's gonna shoot me but I'm gonna try to get close to him and I'm not afraid I'm just mad because this you picked this day to rob this place and I'm trying to prove this boy from Kentucky that I can do this and you come on the day that I want to prove myself to this guy so we get back to a room and I, he says, go in. So I go in and I'm backing towards the wall and he's messing with his gun. And he tells me to move back. So I move back and I hear the gun and it clicks. Now to this day, I'm thinking that he tried to shoot it and it jammed. I don't know. That's what I, I feel. And anyway, long story short, I stopped thinking of myself as being... <laughs> Stop thinking of myself as being cursed And maybe I was blessed You know, maybe I was blessed To get where I am You know, I got a few occasions that maybe I should, shouldn't have been here And I'm still here So I had to start looking at that differently But what initiated me looking at it differently Was looking at my journals And how that writing has changed I mean, it was still um, Very much about race because in this country, especially as a black male, you can't get around that. So most of my journeys, journals are about race and dealing with that bullshit all the time. So that, that hasn't changed. But the anger and other things that I could not change, I, I, that started to, um, not that it doesn't bother me, but it bothers me in a different way now. I don't let it hang on to me. You know, I don't stay in the mud. You know, that's like standing in the mud and just staying there. You know, I, I wipe the mud off. I get out of that mud. I'm not going to just sit there in the mud. It's not going to do me any good, you know? So that's how I saw the transformation. That's how I saw um, the curse transforming into blessings. And that's how I look at it now. I look at it like um, all of these are lessons. All of these are le lessons. Maybe the ones that had it easy that I was looking at and saying, man, why isn't my life like that? Why isn't my life like hers? Why is my life like his? They got these, you know, they went here and they went there. They've gone here. They've gone there. They have this. They have that. Why is my life like theirs? But as the butterfly, I'm looking at him like, you know, you can have all that. Maybe you should have had some of this life because you'd appreciate it. You know, you'd appreciate it in a different way. So I don't feel cursed now. I feel very fortunate. All the hardships, I feel very, very fortunate. I really do. I feel like the luckiest man on the planet. I really do. I feel like the luckiest man on the planet. Because had I not gone through those things, those difficulties, um, I wouldn't write the way I do. I wouldn't think the way I do. I wouldn't feel the way I do. So I can't imagine the kind of person I'd be without those, those um, circumstances, those experiences. And so, as you, who's listening to this, as you're going through whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you're going through, you know, it's a lesson. Look at it as a lesson. Hard lesson sometimes. You know, hard lesson sometimes. 
It really is. It makes you resentful. It makes you hateful. It can make you bitter. It can make you all of that. And there's a reason for it, you know? I'm not saying that you you, you not, you know, just give up and, and, I mean, not give up, but you just just brush it off and it's, and it's gone. No, it, it's, it's a process. It's a process. But if you look at it at like a lesson, if you look at it like a lesson, it can only teach you. It can only teach you. Regardless of what it is, if you look at it like a lesson, it can only teach you. It won't destroy you. It won't destroy you because it's teaching you. And if it's teaching you and you're learning, you're going to be able to navigate through it. Whatever it is. Whatever it is, you'll be able to navigate through it. You know, think of yourself, even if it's an ugly period in your, in your life. Even if it's an ugly period in your life. Think of that ugly little caterpillar. He or she or it is really not ugly. It's really not. Because its potential is beautiful. It's really not. We just haven't seen it transform yet, but it's really not. Because how can something so beautiful come from something ugly? It, it can't happen. So it's really not even ugly. It's already potentially beautiful. It just doesn't know it yet. It hasn't um, arrived yet. But once it arrives, that's what it is. It's a butterfly. It's a butterfly. So look at, it, look at these hard times, whatever you're going through, um, as lessons. As lessons. And you know, the interesting thing about it, too, is... I am um, a long time ago. I'm not intimidated by anybody, and and I don't and I don't mean that in an egotistical way. I'm not talking about um, physicality or anything. I'm talking about status. I don't care what a person does. I don't care what a person does. I really don't. I look at the person's character. You know, I, I have a conversation with anybody. I could care less what they do or what they, you know, what their status is, how much money they make, who knows them, who they don't know, who they do know. I could care less. I'm not. So a long time ago, that developed. It really did. I'm really not intimidated. I can have a conversation, sit down and have a conversation with anybody. Um, and I think because of the experience, because of the road I've had to travel, um, some of the most brilliant people I've met if you looked at them from the outside, they looked like bums or prostitutes or, or um, they looked like the lower echelon of society. They look like, but when they opened their mouths, it was golden for me. It was golden. And like I said, going back to the boy in church, the elderly always had something to say to me and I listened. The ministers had something to say, even though I didn't like church, I listened. I've always been a listener. And I think even early on, I just knew that if you listen, if you listen with the intent to learn, you will learn something. You can learn something even from a fool. If you listen with the intent to learn, you can learn even from a fool. No doubt about it. Because everybody knows something. No doubt about it. Everybody knows something. So you'd be foolish not to listen with the intent to learn, regardless of who you're talking to. And that's the way I look at people. So everybody's even killed as far as I'm concerned, because I'm always listening with the intent to learn. I don't put myself above anybody. I don't put myself below anyone. But I'm always listening with the intent to learn. I'm always 
a student when I'm talking to my fellow human being. That's where I start off, as a student, always. Not as a teacher, as a student. Now, if he goes or she goes somewhere else and I can't learn anything from him, I'm part company, of course. But I always start off as a student because everybody knows something. So I'm looking at these journals and they, um, they're speaking to me. <laughs> I started them for one reason, but I maintained them for another reason and didn't even know it. So glad I wrote it, wrote it down. So glad. So I got to thank the memory of George Jackson because that was the reason I started it. I was reading so that brother for like the second or third time. And um, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to write stuff down. I like to write anyway. I'm going to write stuff down. Had no idea that 35 years later that I'd still be writing. Still be writing. And I'll be writing until my last breath. That's one thing I definitely will be doing. Be the day until the day I die, I'll be writing, you know. So, um, and that's that's interesting because it's not. If you would have asked me that as a kid, what will you be doing to the day you die? I definitely wouldn't have told you writing. But yeah, I will be writing because it is. It has been medicine. It is medicine, and it always will be medicine for me. Um, I don't write to, um, especially in my journal. I don't write to impress. I don't write to. Um, show off how smart I am or how dumb I am I write because it releases what I need to release at that particular time and so I'm going to always do it and in releasing what it needs to release at that particular time it has healed certain wounds that probably would not have been healed had I not gone to writing I would have kept that resentment in me um, you know, and I still have ways to go. I still struggle with things. Um, I still have to talk myself into some things. I'm still a little um, insecure in, in certain ways. Um, but nowhere close to where I was. You know, so I'm still building myself up. And um, they say when you build yourself up, you have no problem building others up. And that's how I feel. That's how I feel. I, I think that's why I'm in the position that I'm in now. And doing what I do, um, as far as work-related or just life-related, I enjoy helping others. I really do. I, I enjoy it. There's no other high like that. I enjoy helping people. You know, I, I would do it even if I didn't get paid for it. And I have. Most of the time I have. And then the little bit that I do get paid is um, embarrassing. <laughs> people that pay me should be embarrassed about how little they pay people that work with people with um, challenges. So they should be embarrassed, but I, I love it. I love helping people because, um, and I've said this quite a few times, strangers, people that didn't have any, um, weren't gonna benefit from helping me at all, have helped me all my life. Not financially, but with their words. Right away podcasts about words. And with their words, they, you know, I. I I've been able to do things I didn't think I'd be able to do because people believed in me. Sometimes more, it seemed more than they believed in themselves. They tell me things and I look at them like, well, man, you, you're brilliant. Why aren't you doing, you know? But that wasn't my place. My place was to be a student. Learn what I could learn, apply it to what I could apply it to, and move on. And that's what I've done. So, blessing and curse. 
they flip-flop over the years. You know, I will never consider myself cursed. And I did for so long. I'm going to always consider myself blessed. Always. Um, don't have any religious affiliation. Don't want any. But I feel and I've always felt that there is something more powerful than me. And I'll leave it there. People can debate the semantics and call it whatever they want to call it or not call it or say you got to do a certain thing. Well, that's your thing. Um, but I've always felt there was something more powerful than me. And um, my, its gift to me was, is my life. My gift to it is what I do with my life. And that's how I live my life. That's how I live my life. My mom, we used to get in debates sometimes. Well, you know, you got to believe this way. You got to give it, you know. If not, you're going to hell. I said, well, mom, you and nobody at that church can send me to hell. Not one of y'all. So you guys having that opinion is fine. If you want to live your life that way, I have no problem with it. But believe me, I'm not going to go through this life afraid based on what another human says about what my spiritual walk is. Not going to work with me. You can't scare me. You scared me as a child. You won't scare me as an adult. I've, 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 I've lived this thing a little bit now. I've experienced some things now. <laughs> so so um, I, I'm looking at it totally different. And it's working with me totally different. So, um, so that's where it is. So no, never going to feel cursed again. Feel extremely blessed. I thank you all for listening in. I appreciate it. I really do. I really would like feedback. Um, anybody that's interested in coming in and, and I mean coming on and, and talking about anything, whatever, how words have impacted you, how poetry, um, writing, uh, art, any kind of art, any, or just life, just life, because life is art. Life is art. Got good art, bad art, but it's all art. Um, so anybody that's interested in coming on the show and um, and speaking their their truth, speaking what they feel, their passion about whatever it is they're passionate about, I would love to have you. So thank you. This has been Right Away Podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Martin. Until next time, peace. Right away, let's go.